Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with the Sermon on the Mount and the passage found in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. This passage is the appeal toward which Jesus has been moving through the whole sermon. It is the call to become a citizen of God's kingdom, the call to inherit eternal life. It is his call to choose between the easy way, which comes naturally, and the hard way, which requires complete dependence on God's enabling and his grace. Like the cosmic true-false test of all time, the choices presented are in every case the difference between black and white, true and false, right and wrong, good and bad. Ultimately, they are the difference between heaven and hell. The decision you make about Jesus Christ and his kingdom is the most important decision in life. That's the decision before us in this passage. Please listen to today's slice of the message entitled, Two Gates. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, the Apostle Paul says, By the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes, not salvation, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But look at the next sentence. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe. What did the law and the prophets actually teach? You need a Savior. Now, in the pre-cross era, if you believed God, if you were walking by faith, you would demonstrate that faith by participating in all of those things that regulated your worship, all of those sacrifices, but you understood they all looked forward to the once-for-all sacrifice, the new covenant that would, that would take away sin. Now, on the other side of the cross, we get to see the whole thing. But when self-righteous, ego-centered man is confronted by his conscience or by the, the Word of God, and he begins to understand that he is sinful, well, he has to do something about it. You either call out to God to save you, or you come up with a system that makes you feel righteous. You redefine the, the standards. Man invents religions to accommodate his shortcomings to be sure that he can meet the new standards that he has created for himself. That was exactly what the scribes and the Pharisees had done to the law of God in the day of Jesus through their traditions. They had lowered God's standards. Remember, Jesus so often in the Sermon on the Mount said, you've heard it was said, but I say, and he shows how his standard is greater and deeper, higher, more lofty, if you will, uh, than what 
their works righteousness system had said. They, they raised their own estimates of themselves. They felt that they had achieved a righteous standing before God. That's why Jesus made the theme of the whole Sermon on the Mount, this famous verse that we've already seen many times, Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. In that day, the scribes and the Pharisees believed with all their hearts and taught with all the fervor that they had, here is what you must do in order to be righteous. And we are righteous, and we'll show you. We'll stand on the street corners and pray. We'll, we'll, we'll make a big deal about our giving of our, of our alms. It was all outward, demonstrable stuff, and none of it got to the heart. And Jesus kept saying, well, you've heard it said, well, uh, don't commit adultery. I say you don't even think about it because you've got to deal with your heart, not merely the externals. So now here at the end of the sermon, not surprisingly, Jesus hammers away at the binary choices for eternity. Today we're going to look at just two verses, but in verses 13 through 29, look at the contrasts. Two gates, the narrow and the wide. Two ways, the broad and the narrow. Two destinations, life and destruction. Two groups, the few and the many, two kinds of trees, the good and the bad, two kinds of fruit, the good and the bad, two kinds of people who profess faith in the Messiah, the sincere and the false, two kinds of builders, the wise and the foolish, two foundations, the rock and the sand, two houses, the secure and the insecure. I think He wants us to make a choice. And it's one or two. There's no 1.3. There's no option number four. This is the choice. So in our two verses, we have the first couple of contrasts in this great true-false test. And if you're saying, is this guy ever going to get to his sermon or is it just introduction? I tried to outline this and I just started to overcook my brain. We don't need an outline. Look at these two verses again. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many (coughs) who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Now, if I was going to outline this passage, it would be a one-point outline, and my English teacher would flunk me. You can't have a one-point outline. Okay, The whole key is the first word, enter. That's the command. It's one of those aorist imperatives that calls for a definite, specific, decisive action. And what has he said is the theme? Follow the scribes and Pharisees and you're going to fall way short of ever even entering the kingdom of heaven. So guys, here's how you get in. That's what he's saying. Two paths leading to two gates which lead to two destinations. Now, the sign over either one of these paths, this would be a confusing road sign. You would come to a fork in the road, and it would say, heaven, this way, and the other one would say, heaven, this way. 
They are both purporting themselves to be the way to the kingdom of heaven. But one leads there and one doesn't. One is a, a wide gate. Oh, there's a four-lane highway. The other one is the small gate. Two little lanes. And the cars are lining up. Well, wouldn't you choose the easier one? He says, choose the narrow gate. Consider that. Enter by the narrow gate. A couple of senses in which narrow is the right way to describe this gate. First, it's narrow in the sense that it is the only right gate to enter. The entrance to heaven is not multiple choice. It's true-false, in or out, yes or no. I remember one of the, I thought it was a great gift in the, in the providence of God. It was one of the few times that I ever had the privilege to preach with my dad present. Now, he told me that he came and heard me preach at Grace Church one time, but I lost him in the crowd of 3,000. I never did know he was there. But then they came up to Idaho and um, came, and they politely came to church. And when they visited, I didn't prearrange anything. I was preaching through the Gospel of John, which I had started over a year before they came to visit. And on the Sunday they arrived, I, or the Sunday they came, I arrived at John 14, 6. I'll never forget the sermon title I chose, and I've reused it since then. The Narrow Mind of Jesus. Why would I say that? Well, because of what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He also said in John 10, 6, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved. Now understand, he did not say, I'm a nice door. I'm a good door. I'm a prettier door than some of the other doors. No, he says, I am the door. I am the way, the truth, the life. So in this sense, the way is narrow because There's no latitude for choices. God does not offer you the opportunity to negotiate your own contract on how to get in. It is the exclusive way and none others will do. The other sense in which this is narrow, more tied to the etymology of the word. Narrow translates the word stenos in Greek. The root of that means to groan from being under pressure. We get the English word stenography, and I bet we have no stenographers in the, in the congregation today. It's a lost art. But stenography is what we would take a shorthand, uh, taking down uh, shorthand. So that was to refer to writing that has been abbreviated or compressed. Compressed writing is what stenography is. Um, the New Legacy Standard Bible And actually, some of the other translations translate, therefore, the word narrow as constricted. The way is constricted, the gate is constricted. In this sense, it's narrow in that the person who enters this gate has to come alone. You can bring no one else and nothing else with you. You cannot get in via anybody else's coattails. It is too tight 
to permit baggage to come with you. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.